Okay, welcome back to HOA, It's a True Story. And today I have with me Jennifer Jacobson from the Dallin and Jacobson, where she's a partner there at the firm. And we're going to be talking today about the corona chaos, the legal onslaught. So Jennifer, what kind of law does your firm actually practice that in relationship to all the HOA industry? So we are general corporate counsel to community associations. We service over a thousand community associations in Northern California. I'm also licensed in Nevada, so we have a presence there as well. We do not represent developers in setting up the master plan communities, so we don't do the master management documents. There are firms that specialize in that area of law. Similarly, we do not sue developers for construction deficiency. We just practice general counsel work day-to-day general corporate work. We also do not represent homeowners against homeowners associations, obviously to avoid conflicts of interest. Wow, that's a lot. Um, Okay, so you're very specific in in the practice of HOA law specifically to the associations themselves. So in that, when the pandemic hit and everything started to kind of unravel a little bit, Um, How has all of this changed the world of being a lawyer for the HOAs? It's kind of turned everything on its head. I mean, we are no longer meeting in person. We are meeting by Zoom. So how do you go to court if you're meeting in Zoom? A lot of courts have um, suspended their activities during the pandemic. Um, They will only hear emergency hearings. A lot of times um, they have permitted people to come in. If you watch the Golden State Killer trial, he did the sentencing. They did that all in person. So there are opportunities to meet in person in court still. But generally speaking, when we're doing our HOA corporate duties, we are typically doing it by Zoom. So if we're holding disciplinary hearings, if we're doing meet and confers, if we're doing internal dispute resolution, mediation, arbitration. So even even mediations are all done on Zoom. They're being all being done on Zoom. Uh, we were kicking them out and saying, let's meet when the pandemic ends. And when we thought this whole thing was going to be six weeks, maybe eight weeks at the tops. And we realized the pandemic isn't ending anytime soon. So we need to continue to do our business. Did you guys encounter a bunch of those crazy um, Zoom faux pas in the middle of mediation? Or has that been reserved primarily for HOA meetings? <laughs> No, there's been so many Zoom faux pas. The other day I had my uh, house cleaners at my house and my husband and I were both on the back porch doing um, Zoom meetings. I happened to be on an IDR, which is a meet and confer, and my Wi-Fi froze. And so nobody could hear me. Nobody could see me. And we were trying to have a professional meeting and I was just kind of off the Wi-Fi. So it was pretty funny. We had to get reconnected. And so all of those glitches are things that we're having to embrace and having to figure out while we're in the pandemic. I know the litigating attorneys are really having a different round here because we continue to do some litigation support like DT work or intrusive testing work. And typically we would go inside when they're opening up windows and water testing and we're not going in anymore to any of these units. So I can really see that the litigation and the experts are going to be challenged to come up with a new way of producing evidence without getting into these units or maybe going back later. What do you think they're going to do? Yeah, it's been really challenging. We do have some emergency repairs that we're trying to do right now for our associations. When you have water leaks, those usually won't wait. 
for the pandemic to end. Right. So we're, we are having to go in units. And um, when we're, we're finding that homeowners are paralyzed, they're scared and they won't let us into their units to do the repairs. I've had, I have at least two or three of those going on right now where I can't get us into the unit to do the health and safety repairs that we need to do. And we may end up going to court to get a court order to force those individuals to allow us in their home. So I can really imagine on the construction deficiency side how everybody's struggling with trying to do the proper destructive testing to be able to prove your case. And that's gonna be difficult. We have gone in and done some emergency repairs kind of like what you described. And it reminds me back in the um, early, late 90s, early 2000s, when there was a lot of mold abatement work going on around that time. And we used to set up containments in people's units and we'd have the air scrubbers going. We'd say, don't open this up because you're going to contaminate your whole house. And just leave the zipper on the door closed. Please don't enter. We'd put a sign up, do not enter. And we'd come back the next morning. And of course, the whole containment's been open. They've contaminated their unit. And uh, we're frustrated because now we can't get a clearance and a clean air clearance. And we have to come up with all kinds of tips and tricks to get the spores out of the airborne issue there. And now we've done one or two emergency repairs and it's similar. I'm right. seeing the same behavior again. Right. Homeowners want to go in and see what you're doing. And yet, once again, we're trying to protect our employees and they're trying to protect their families and their children, don't open the bubble, right? Please Just leave it. Yeah. Leave it. I said it kind of needs to be like a sealed bid where you put a piece of tape over it and initial it or something. I like that idea. Come up, hey, it's gonna explode if you open it. Exactly. So your group had to handle a lot of emergency calls right after all this because so much changed. How did you guys handle the pinch hitting? Um were things just happening different without um, the laws being engaged, or did you did you see a lot of force majeure going on? We talk about force majeure all the time now, but right, um, we really had to retool quickly um, when it came to the pandemic. There was, you know, we have provisions in the Open Meeting Act, for example, that we have to notice a public location for the board to meet and or if we're meeting telephonically for the members to gather to listen to the board doing their business telephonically. And the legislature has not addressed that on the HOA level. They're attempting to put some legislation in place, but it hasn't quite happened yet. It's been kicked out to the next September meeting of the California Law Revision Commission. So um, we are suspending, we're actually not complying with the law because we're not noticing a public location for people to gather. So there's things like that going on. What do we do? Do we just violate the law? Do we wait for the law to catch up and not have any board meetings? Um, again, when it was March 17th, if you had told me we'd be sitting here uh, September 1st, wondering when we're going to reopen, I would have said, you're crazy. And yet here I am sitting, you know, close to September 1st, not knowing when we're going to fully be able to re reopen all of our restaurants and fitness facilities and all of the things that we run at all of our associations. It's really been a challenge. And of course, everyone wants an answer. The government won't even give us an answer, but everybody else wants their HOA attorney. You better have an answer. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting dynamic that we're facing right now is people are working from home. While they're working from home, they're trying to homeschool their kids or they're trying to care for their aging parents who may be high risk. So there's a lot of dynamics going on inside the household 
which are making people um, kind of frantic because we can't get out and do things to release that anxiety. You can't go on vacation. You can't go and sit inside a restaurant and have a nice meal. Um, so it's really, really challenging. And so they're spending a lot of time at home. They're spending a lot more time examining what we do as boards of directors. And they're worried about the bush outside their unit not getting trimmed properly. They're worried about the tree. Oh, we're going to talk about that bush trimming. That bush trimming. (laughs) But the tree's not getting trimmed. And so they're complaining. They're calling the association and complaining to the manager. And what they don't understand is we have so many things that we're responding to right now that we haven't had to respond to before. And health and safety items have to come first. Emergencies have to come first. Trimming the tree, trimming the bush can wait a little while. It, uh, you know, I'm sorry your view has been disturbed, Mrs. Kravitz, but you're just going to have to wait. Right. So have you been getting pushback from your boards about the cost, the cost that we refer to as the force majeure, meaning some of the unforeseen costs are getting passed down from vendors or contractors um, to the HOA because they're unforeseeable conditions uh, and expenses. Have you been getting a lot of calls on why do we have to pay for that? Why don't they have to pay for it? Yeah, you know, we haven't um, gotten very much pushback yet because a lot of our boards are waiting. They are kicking the can down the road and waiting to do the work later. Unless it's health and safety and emergency, they're not doing their everyday business. So we're getting delays, for example, in our SB 326 compliance for our balcony inspections. And if we can talk to the board and get them to understand, we can continue to plan, we continue to prioritize, and maybe we can control some of those costs by planning now. And so rather than waiting until in the future, costs of supplies and goods, as you can tell people coming from the general contractor background, are only going to go up. So we should take advantage of the costs as they are now and start planning now and getting the contracts in place so that we can do the proper business when we're ready. Yeah, and the crazy weather and fires and the hurricanes that are all stacking up, those all just take another little piece of the pie of materials and costs and then continues to escalate that down the road. So they really shouldn't wait. And that's a good point. I'm glad to hear you made that um, uh, point to your HOAs. But people have really, really gotten crazy. Uh, You said it best with they're not getting outside so they're not getting rid of their anxiety and they're suddenly finding themselves as teachers and um, we know there's been a tremendous increase in attendance at HOA meetings because it's on zoom people don't have to throttle down dinner and run down to the clubhouse right they can right they can just check in on zoom so the attendance is up they're paying closer attention and now they all suddenly have an opinion because they're all armchair quarterbacks now for the HOA board. Absolutely. And how are those boards responding to that? Are they happy that the attendance up or do they feel a little more intimidated by what decisions to make and feeling like maybe people are pushing back on them a little more than they're used to? Well, you know what, what we've had to learn through this is we have to have code of conduct for Zoom meetings. Homeowners really have to understand if they haven't participated in a board meeting before, that it is a professional meeting, that they cannot talk throughout the meeting. They can't just interrupt the board and speak to them. So we have to have rules of engagement. They have to understand that they will not be unmuted unless they are recognized by the chair of the meeting. 
they have to understand that if they, as I had one lady do in one of my town hall meetings recently, when she was muted, she just continued to hold up pieces of paper with what she wanted to say to the board. And so we had to turn off her audio. She's holding so, up a sign that says, trim my bush. <laughs> trim my bush. So she, uh, we, you know, you have to turn off her audio. And if they continue to be disruptive, you have to kick them out of the meeting. So, um, you know, things like that are things we don't anticipate and we don't have addressed in the Davis-Sterling Act. And our governing documents do not contemplate this. So this is a whole new world for us. And so, you know, ch the challenge of just running a Zoom meeting, I've seen some managers just really step up to the plate and they can run professional meetings, they can show PowerPoints, they can share their screens. And then there's other managers who haven't taken the time to sit down and learn. And so they don't know how to unmute people. They don't realize that their Wi-Fi might be disrupted during the meeting. And so it's really a challenge for all of us just going on YouTube and learning how to use Zoom and all of its functions so that you can run a professional meeting. And I'm not saying Zoom is the only platform, but that's the one that we seem to be using most in my office and with our clients. Um, and, you know, the the fact that they're attending more is a positive. That Because we're always struggling to get people to go to their HOA meetings and get informed and be aware of what's happening in their community, especially around the time that general contractors are showing up. We want them to know we're coming, right? What other positive things have you experienced as a result of the new normal? I think people people in my office, we're just more appreciative of each other. We're taking time to slow down and thank each other. We, within our office, are having, we have some people who are working from a distance. We have some people that are going into the office daily. And we are spending time on Zoom as a work family, talking to each other and communicating a lot more than we did when we sat next to each other in the office. So it's actually made us a lot closer. Yeah, at the beginning, we're all doing like Zoom cocktail parties and yeah. Then you realize, okay, that's only satisfying for about two weeks. <laughs> right. The Zoom cocktail party's got a little out of control. I, ha I had to install a breathalyzer on my Amazon account because it was getting a little out of control. Uh, so how do you blow off steam if you're feeling that anxiousness? What do you do to kind of get out there and relieve the stress that you're building up? Yeah. I mean, from a, an athletic standpoint, I go and ride my bike every day. I've ridden a thousand miles in the last eight weeks. I'm really proud. I've, um, I'm kind of identified with Tom Hanks in that movie Lost where he named his, his Wilson, his volleyball, because my bike is Betty. Betty's my therapist. Betty and I talk a lot. She doesn't answer, but I talk a lot to Betty. Yeah. In the month of April, I did a hiking goal to hike a hundred miles. I made 75, but I didn't quite get to my 100. But I was still pretty happy. Um, but then everybody realized that was an option. And all of a sudden, the trails were just as jam-packed and kind of took some of the solitude away from me. And it started creating stress. So I gave up doing the, the trail hiking. And now I'm just playing some golf and uh, trying. At least we can still do that. And just doing some walking. And I have a bicycle that I've been riding now, too. So I haven't named her yet. I'm going to have to give that one some thought. So um, your husband works in our industry. Does he participate in bike riding and all that other fun stuff? No. No. You guys, does he golf with you? No, he, he has once, yeah. which is more than he's done in the last 10 years. So Yeah, my husband hasn't gone golfing either, but... I have to say, you know, the, the solitude of getting out and gardening and just being out there. Oh, he's a gardener, isn't he? We have a 
huge garden. I think a third world country is going to start being supplied by You're our You're going to start learning how to can food. <laughs> I thought about that this morning, actually. <laughs> I know. I was giving away zucchinis today. I saw the perfect meme that said, uh, teach a man to fish, and, you know, he'll, he'll uh, have fish the rest of his life. Teach a woman to grow zucchini, and the entire neighborhood will have it. <laughs> That's our neighborhood, too. Right? It's, it's totally that way. So going back to the laws being kind of uncertain right now, um, are there any that have changed that you're concerned with? There are some that haven't changed that really need to? Yeah. In addition to the public meeting requirements of the Open Meeting Act, um, there's a lot of troubling legislation that's coming along. Um, the legislature is trying very hard to create affordable housing in the state of California. So we have the grainy flat law that says that we can't prohibit granny flats in our community associations as long as the county permits them and certain requirements are met. Um, so is now, a granny flat the same? As an ADU. As an ADU. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to as a granny flat. Mother-in-law quarters, they call it all different kinds. Whatever, of things, yeah. Right? You're, 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 I, hadn't called, I hadn't heard it called a granny flat. You're, you're a grown-up kid that hasn't quite left home <laughs> flat, whatever, whatever we're going to call those things. Um, so, you know, in addition to that, they're, they're looking at, under um, some new legislation, looking at uh, creating some hampering our ability to restrict rentals. So that's going to be a big issue for our community associations because they're being asked if that legislation passes as it's drafted, we're going to have to amend our governing documents affirmatively to comply with that law. And so the give and take of this, as you and I both know as professionals in the industry, is we still have SB 326 to comply with. And the balcony inspection requires you to go right. out and inspect every single balcony in the state to certify that they're safe within and a And that law hasn't provision. gone away while the pandemic. And it's, that law has not been kicked out or extended during the pandemic. So we have to, as professionals, anticipate that and budget for that. And meanwhile, the legislature is telling us that we can't foreclose, that we can't, uh, we shouldn't be doing, you know, foreclosure activities. We should be planning to revise our governing documents yet again after we've just affirmatively created election rules. And they don't realize that we're not an endless pot of money as a community association and that, oh, by the way, all of our facilities are closed. So a lot of homeowners aren't paying their dues. So um, is one of your business partners involved in the legislation? Yeah, Darren Bevan's involved in the California Law Revision Commission and CLAC. So he keeps you pretty informed. Of he does. We just yeah. had a partner Zoom meeting about that particular piece of legislation yesterday and how much we're worried about um, the cost to our clients and the impact on our practice, the, all the work that's going to be required. Um, between November and March, I put out 400 pieces of, uh, 400 sets of election rules myself. Oh. Um, so I was pretty busy during those months and then trying to do your regular business. And during the pandemic, I think people think we're working 24-7 as well because the demand on our response time is so heightened right now. There isn't a, you can get this to me next week. It's like, I sent this to you Friday at 4.30. It's Monday at 8.30. Where is it? Yeah. I've been getting text messages at like 4 in the morning. And I'm thinking, what are you people doing? Right. You know, but yeah, that's another example of the anxiety and the stress that's going on out there with individuals, for sure. It's been kind of intense. Um, with, the ch with the changes that are going to be coming up, the revisions, I think the biggest uncertainty is we just have no idea how long all of this is going to take place before we'll be able to um, see the HOAs utilize the way they used to, the playgrounds and swimming pools. Some have, some haven't. Um, the ADA help chairs, all these kinds of things have 
all these new rules about them. So it, I can imagine you're just being slammed with important questions, but also a lot of minutia of just people going, I don't know, let's just call the attorney. Right. And, you know, there's 58 counties in the state of California and every county is doing their own thing. So it right. changes and it changes by the minute. So um, the homeowners are asking us to reopen the fitness centers, the indoor fitness centers, when the state is telling us they have to stay closed. Then counties are slowly doing their own thing. And so we're having to monitor county by county what we can do and change in response to what the counties are allowing or what they're now prohibiting. And it's really a moving target. And um, it's hard to predict day to day what's going to happen. So Yeah, we have the same challenge with the building department. Some are open, some are functioning, some are not. Some are working from home and, and doing their paperwork via the Internet. So it's been really interesting seeing how some counties have functioned and fared so well, and others have zero ability to keep going. So they're scrambling to try to put together, get employees back in off furlough. It's been very hard. Um, we were considered essential. We kind of talked about this last week in our um, podcast. But uh, those early days were really difficult. We were probably working four to six hours a day just on trying to define the county regulations in the counties that we had jobs open. And we're in three different um, territories, if you will. So you can imagine us trying to figure out every single county's policy and then how to get the permits pushed through. And we still have a couple jobs that we could never get our permits. Yeah. They just have been sidelined. Well, and then you're adding probably three or four hours to your day just complying with sanitizing yes. and the stations yeah. and mm -hmm. staging and getting everything done in accordance with all of the new requirements. As I heard today, it was great. On the Today Show, they said, this isn't our new normal. This is our new abnormal. That's and a really good way to put it. It's just our new abnormal. And I kind of feel like I just want to go to sleep and just wake me up when it's over. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so crazy trying to figure out and trying to stay positive and trying to stay motivated and keeping everybody else motivated. It's just my challenge daily is to stay up with mm -hmm. a smile and make fun of what's going on because that's the only thing I can do to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I have so many airline tickets um, that I've had to get credit on. And I just keep thinking, will we ever go back to being that traveling society? You know, we used to just jet over here or over there on a whim. And now, you know, you can't even, you have to like pre-plan everything now about what you're going to do and where you're going to go. So I, I really feel for the parents. Yesterday, I talked to two different attorneys, both who had uh, just put their kids into the first day of school. One was trying to do a mediation on Zoom and his child was trying to do uh, her first day of second grade and she, you know she's yelling daddy I can't get this to work and he's trying to pause his mediation so he could go help his child and I just I really really my heart goes out to the teachers and the parents trying to get through this right now um, now do you have you been experiencing anything as a parent going through this kind of stuff Oh, absolutely. I haven't seen my son who's active duty military since December because he's been on lockdown and he's actually going to be um, sent overseas in the next couple weeks. 
and I won't be able to see him before he leaves. So I'm going to have to actually travel travel to another country, which I can't disclose because of his security clearance. But I'm going to actually have to travel to another country that I've never been to in order to see my son in the next year. So obviously he's not in Cabo San Lucas. (laughs) Or Hawaii. Or Alaska. Hawaii is part of America. (laughs) True. (laughs) So, um, but... uh, no, with our daughter, she was supposed to go to college in D.C., and she's actually chosen to stay home at the suggestion of her coach because he can't guarantee that he can work her out in D.C. She's a water polo player. So our gyms are open, albeit outside, and our pools are open outside. And so she can get her workouts in, and her think by the grace of God, her coach, four-time Olympian Heather Moody, is still here. And we'll work out with her. So my daughter's enrolled at American River College to work out with Heather Moody and continue her fitness to keep her fitness level up so that she can play D1 in the spring. So you have to keep her motivated, too, and not discouraged because I can't even imagine your first time to move away and, and go to home and all of a sudden you don't get to go. Yeah, she she did mention yesterday that we are her parents, her roommates, her RAs. <laughs> her cheerleaders, <laughs> her cheerleaders were were all of it, and um, oh, she was good. looking forward to having a significant experience after losing graduation. I mean, we did a mom prom at home because she didn't get graduation, she didn't get prom, um, and so she lost a lot of things. So we're trying to you know do things to keep her motivated, to mm-hmm. keep her excited, and um, she's just luckily we have a great kid and she's embraced it all. But yeah. I know all parents aren't that lucky. And, you know, especially smaller kids that really don't understand what's going on. This is a challenging time for all of us. It is indeed. Well, this is called HOA. It's a true story. So tell me, what is your crazy story about HOA world that I'm sure you have a whole list of them. But give me just one today. Okay. We'll save the rest for another day. I was going to say, I have a lot of them. Some of them are X-rated. Some are R-rated. Um, I'll try to stick with a G to PG rating on PG's this one. PG fine. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> we've seen a lot. Um, so in a lot of our associations where we have significant swaths of land, we use goats to um, create fire bricks. Right. So in this one particular association, we had goats out um, doing their job eating the fire breaks and one of the homeowners had just bought a border collie and they asked the goat herder hey can i have my border collie play with your goat and he said sure great idea what could go wrong next thing we know i got the call afterwards of course the goats are flying down our common area streets knocking down fences eating yards the goats. the goats are in our common areas but my favorite goat was the one that led them to this one particular attorney's property who was the biggest pain in the butt. And they ate $75,000 worth of landscaping <laughs> at his house. And so that little herd of goats, I, they all get gold stars for me. Goatee. They get a goatee. <laughs> So and oh my yeah. god, that's awesome. Yeah, that's it, a good it, one. it was it was they created like two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of damage because of that little border collie. Little border collie, <laughs> who's gonna hurt him come hell or high water? That's awesome. Well, that's our podcast for today on the legislative onslaught <laughs> or legal onslaught. Um, thank you, Jennifer, for coming. If you want to hear more from Jennifer, 
She is going to be speaking at the CAI Law Seminar with Julia Souza and myself on pandemic derailment, how to get your HOA back on track. Uh, so tune in again next time. We'll be meeting with Rachel Selwan from CAI. So we'll see you next time. Thanks, Reagan. You're welcome. Thanks for coming.